On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, we discuss the three big lies that abusers put onto victims and the top eight lies a victim survivor convinces themselves of into staying. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, everyone. I am Brandon Chadwick, and today we're going to discuss the big three lies that abusers put onto victims and the top eight lies that a victim survivor convinces themselves of into staying. But before we get to that, if you want to be a guest on our Survivor Story episodes, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. At top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page. There you can read all of our instructions and either send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our Guest Form and press the Submit button. And please do send it in the format that we ask for. So today... You know, the, right off the bat here, we're going to first discuss the big three lies that abusers put onto victims. And a narcissistic abuser wants your life to revolve around them. You've experienced it yourself. You've heard so many stories on our survivor stories about this. And, you know, everything has to revolve around them, whether they consciously know it or not. They always want you thinking about them. So when you think of the different types of abuse and tactics, you know, no matter what, it will always eventually be focused thinking about them, even when they are not around as well, because, you know, you're trying to avoid rages or, or blow ups. And there's a self abandonment of, of yourself kind of going on here and your own needs are not being met. So we talk a lot about on the show how the abuser wants to become the truth teller in your life. So no matter what, it will always be their voice you hear to keep you in this relationship, to doubt yourself, to isolate you so you don't listen to others. So when we talk about the big three lies today, these big three lies are the way the abuser views things, how the abuser sees things. And this is how they truly view things, how they truly see things, and how they want your perception of things, the way you view things, to be the exact same way. So they want you to see things through their lens. They want you to see these big three lies through their lens. And the first one we have on the list is the abuser wants you to believe that you are responsible for their happiness. And this lie plays on your natural, healthy desire to please your partner. Everyone wants to please their partner. But the reality is that no one is responsible for their partner's happiness. You can do all you can to help your partner feel loved and secure, but ultimately it is your partner's responsibility to make themselves happy. And unfortunately, abusive people often have unreasonable expectations and these are the things that they want from you. They want you to focus all of your attention on them and this can involve 
you know, making you cut friends out of your life. You only need, they, they might say that you only need them. Why are you going out? Don't you love me? Or accusations that you are cheating when you're going out. You know, rages could happen from, from here are sulking or silent treatments to punish you to get that focus on them, that attention on them. They could be constantly be bombarding you with texts or phone calls or just hijacking your time. We hear a lot on the show that when someone has kids with the abuser, that the abuser gets upset that the attention isn't on them anymore and abuse ramps up and this puts you and the children into a situation where you will both now focus on them. And another way for them to achieve this lie is if you then put their needs ahead of your own, something that you believe, oh, if I put their needs ahead of my own, they will be happy. I will make them happy. And this can also go for your children as well. And an abuser wants their needs to always supersede your needs. So you will always be trying to be doing what they want from activities to work to where you live, all major decisions, housework. They will, they will get the rest that they need you know, and be able to recharge and do anything they want, but you won't if it supersedes their needs in those moments. And this can also be sexual coercion as well. This can be included in this as well. Another thing that makes an abuser happy is if you view them as your boss and someone who has the final word in all of your decisions. And they want you to be subservient. And in this case, there is no equality when it comes to compromise because there is no compromise. There is no real compromise. And maybe they might make it look like there could be sometimes, but it's most likely that they want the same thing as you and to make it look like you got your way. Once they are the truth teller, the final boss decision maker, this makes them happy and you are most likely under complete control. And if that has happened, then the coercive control tactics really have worked. And, and this is a big and, you might think that you are making the abuser happy, but many abusers will never be happy. Many abusers will have moving goalposts where you yourself keep on striving for this you know, these, the, this goal line that you think is there, but these goalposts will just constantly be moving. And once you hit that line, you think you've just made them happy. And really your attempts are futile and abusers are often depressed or insecure. People who have real mental health issues that you cannot solve. You can't make them happy. You know, that's not your job. That is their responsibility. And also in this process, you might fool yourself into thinking that you are happy too. But in reality, you're just trying to avoid abuse, rages, silent treatments, physical abuse, and the relief of it not happening might be a good feeling. You might get some sort of really good feeling of those things not happen, not happening. But the reality is that's not happiness. That's being happy that they are content, that they are happy. That's not your own internal happiness. What's going on here is your happiness is all of a sudden contingent on making the abuser happy. That's not happiness. 
at this point, you're thinking if I'm making the other person happy, then I'm happy. You know, that's a real big difference. And it's a, something that a lot of victim survivors of, of abuse trick themselves into thinking that, oh, you know, if they're happy, I'm happy. No, that there's not an equilibrium here. Your needs aren't being met in any way uh, whatsoever. And number two, the second big lie that is being told to you is you are responsible for creating the abuser's anger. And abusive partners believe that it is your fault whenever they become angry. If only if you had done such and such or done such and such, they wouldn't have gotten angry. And because you, quote unquote, made them angry in their mind, they then believe that their emotional or physical abusive behavior is then justified. And for the abuser, the lies that they then tell you are, if you don't want me to be angry, just don't make me angry. I mean, that's just crazy. It's crazy talk. So they want you to do whatever they want. And if you didn't do what they wanted, now they are angry. So yes, that's true. A victim survivor, they didn't do what the abuser wanted. And that is true. You wanted your needs met or you wanted a compromise, or you wanted to be autonomous, these are all okay needs for yourself. So it's true that they are angry, but them being angry is not your fault. So yes, it's true. You didn't do what they wanted, but you have to have your needs met too. You know, there could be a lot of compromise that you want to do that's going on that they want no part of. You want to be an autonomous person and don't want someone you know, telling you what to do. These are all okay needs for yourself. So it is true that the abuser is angry, but you're not the fault of that anger. You know, they want you to constantly abandon yourself as they don't see you as being human. You are objectified at this point. You know, they have no compromise. They want everything to be about them. They don't know how to regulate and they don't see things from anyone else's perspective, but their own. So yes, it is true that they are angry, but you are not the cause of that anger. You are just trying to be uh, a healthy individual who has boundaries and acts in a, in a healthy way. Another thing abusers want is for you to not question them. So when it comes to anger in an abuser's anger outburst, they also don't want you to question them. You know, they might say, you question me, how dare you? You know, my actions are allowed and I can have double standards. You know, now I'm angry, my ego is hurt. Wah, wah, wah. You know, this is what they, they do. You know, they do have double standards. So yes, it is true that you question them, but you are allowed you know, if actions aren't matching words, you are allowed to have rational questions or a myriad of questions of sub on subjects about their behavior. You know, why do I take care of all the house stuff and you go out with friends? They don't want you to be autonomous, yet they want to be autonomous and to do everything that they want. So it's all about control and 
you know, you asking a question about what they're doing and a very rational question, you know, gets them angry because they are not, in most cases, letting you have the same leeway in any sort of way. You know, they've given themselves these double standards where you have to live by one set and they can do whatever they want with the other set. And that is what is making them angry that they are not allowed to be in this position of power and control. You know, that is not right. And, you know, when that power and control gets questioned, they get angry. And all you're doing is asking for, in reality here, equal rights. And then another thing that gets an abuser really angry is when you disagree with them. And don't you dare disagree with them. You know, this lie puts the abusive partner in the role of a parent, a boss, a real big authority figure, and it puts the abused partner on the defensive, you know, causing intense self-monitoring, second-guessing yourself, self-blaming. And yes, if you disagree with them, they will get angry. That is true. They want to be the truth teller here, and you are not the truth teller. They say that they know everything and that you know nothing, but you didn't make them angry. They are only angry because you have a mind of your own and want to use it. The more you have independent thoughts, the more you can question, you know, what is going on? Why is everything right now out of whack? Why am I being abused? Why am I being treated like this? The silencing of your opinions creates fear. It can cause isolation and it can really create a deep hole of abuse that's really tough to get out from. So yes, it is true that if you disagree with them, they will get angry, but you are not the cause of that anger. The reality here is that they are trying to not have you have autonomous thinking and that they want to be the truth teller in your life in every way and have power and control over you. And number three on this list of lies that an abuser likes to tell you is them saying that you are responsible for fixing this relationship, even though that they are the problem in this relationship. So abusers cannot or will not acknowledge their own problems or issues and they like to project them onto other people, especially their partners. And as far as they are concerned, the relationship problems are all centered around you, the victim survivor, and that you have to be the one that solves them. So yes, you've heard many times probably that relationships are a two-way street and there's always two sides to a story, something along those lines. And of course, there are truths to these concepts, specifically when you have you know, two healthy people in, in, in a relationship. But the stronger truth is that no one causes their partner to become abusive. So an abuser comes into a relationship with issues and problems that cause them to be abusive. And even though we typically think that this is the responsibility of both partners to fix a broken relationship... It is always the abuser's responsibility to stop being abusive. And I hope you heard that. It's not your responsibility to have the abuser stop being abusive. It's their responsibility for them to stop being abusive. You are not responsible for 
stopping it. They are the ones that are responsible for stopping it. And unfortunately, in many cases, you are tricked, manipulated into thinking it's you on so many occasions that is the problem in this relationship. This relationship would be so much better if you fixed your issues. It's not me. And we hear so many stories from abuse victims, survivors on our survivor stories, going to therapy and telling their therapist that they are the problem in the relationship. And the therapist is listening to everything. And eventually, in so many stories, we hear the therapist stop and say, what are you talking about? You are the one that is being abused. You know, you've been tricked by the abuser to think that you're the one that has to fix everything, that you are possibly the problem in everything. And we've done an episode on reactive defense and reactive defense responses. And abusers like to omit their role and point out your reactive defense response as a way to convince you that you are the problem. And they can gaslight you to think that you are forgetful, the one who always loses things or misremembers conversations and even memories. So they're really playing around with, you know, the way you think, making you doubt yourself of who you are as a person. They're eroding your sense of self and your memory on how certain conflicts actually even played out. And they can even say, like, I never hit you in certain in certain circumstances. You know, you're the one that hit me. Uh, you know, we've discussed Lundy Bancroft's abuser types many times on this show. And I always think here of the water torturer. And the water torturer, it's an abuser that knows how to subtly push your buttons without raising their voice at all. So if you're defensively reacting in any way, just a raise of the voice, the abuser might say, why are you raising your voice at me? They might say, you know, they're convincing you that you are the problem that needs to be fixed and the relationship will be much better. And this is a big lie that is being told to you that you could be the problem in this relationship and the relationship would be better and you are the one that is responsible for fixing this relationship when the reality of the situation is that they are the problem, they are the abuser, they're abusing you and they're not fixing themselves at all. So how do you counter these lies and all these other lies? And so many different people have probably given you different responses of how to do this. And all of that stuff is easier said than done. And it's going to take a long time to get their voice out of your head as the absolute truth and truth teller. It's not a day or two days or three days. It takes a long time. But you do need to eventually knock them off their pedestal. You know, they're a regular person just like you, just like everyone else. They wake up, they eat, they go to the bathroom, they sleep. Put it on repeat. You know, they are no better than anyone. And by having them on a pedestal where they want to be because they'll have this power and control, you know, you need to mentally knock them off of it. And how are you able to do that? You know, it's not easy. You know, in my opinion, you know, a place to start and just to, this is just a place to start. This is not the cure to anything. It's to get, you know, the view of people who are just like you, like people who are in our support group, you know, people that get it, not just a therapist, but people like you get outside feedback, 
Find your tribe. Find your tribe that has experienced this, the exact same thing, and that knows all of this. They know all the things that are being said to you. They've experienced it themselves. They will be able to listen. They will be able to understand what's true and not true. You know, survivors just like you will be able to like really listen to what you're saying and say, that's not right. That's a lie they are telling you right there. They did this so you would conform. Can you see how you conformed after that when you start explaining situations? You know, they might say, I did the same thing. You get validated. It's okay that these things are happening. You know, there's no shame. They'll probably tell you of what is going on because the abuser is a master manipulator. So you might feel filled with shame and you might not feel worthy of friendship or support at all, but you are worthy of friendship and support. You know, for example, instead of taking the abuser's word that you are selfish, you know, ask a fellow survivor or a very trusted friend if that is how they see you. So instead of believing, you know, that you are flirtatious, ask family and friends if that is how they perceive you. You know, the more outside feedback you can get, the more reality you will be able to take in. You don't have to continue to be on the receiving end of your partner's shame and anger. You know, you don't have to continue to buy into the notion that you're responsible for their happiness or unhappiness. You know, there's nothing more powerful than the truth. And the truth really does set you free. You know, so when you get to this truth where you really start to see the lies of your your partner, it's, to me a good starting place and a very effective way for you to begin like a journey of feeling more emotionally free and to free yourself from your abusive partner. So now we're going to discuss the top eight lies a victim survivor convinces themselves of into staying. So the first one on the list is fantasy thinking. And this occurs when victims of abuse live in a little bit of an altered state of reality where they believe that they are in a loving relationship. And the thought process here is that an abuse victim survivor knows that their abuser does have problems. You know, they recognize that their abuser does have problems, but they also might say, but they really love me. And this is a form of rationalization that you are going through where you're trying to explain the abuser's abuse away, but the reality is that you are being abused, and if they did love you, they wouldn't abuse you. So that is number one uh, fantasy thinking. So number two on the list is when abusers convince themselves of a better tomorrow. And, you know, you might be going through abuse, and things are bad. Things were bad yesterday. And you give yourself a thought process of this kind of self-future faking where you start to tell yourself, oh, things will be much better tomorrow. We just have to get to this point of you know the relationship or, or they have to do this. And once they do that, all these things will be taken away in their life. And you know they won't have any of these frustrations and they won't take it on me and everything will be good then. You know, when you're thinking about those things and you're thinking about how things could change if X, X, and X, and X happened, you know, you're not living 
in the reality of what is happening today and you're living in this unrealized make-believe tomorrow and that's I know it's harsh hearing that but it's what we do to try and get through and it's a lie that we tell yourself we tell ourselves to you know stay in, in relationships and and convince yourself or justify that what's going on is okay you know you're you're, you're hanging on for something that won't come and and that's you know number two on our list convincing themselves uh when uh, when abuse victims convince themselves of a better tomorrow and the next one on our list is the kids will suffer if I leave. And many victims of abuse have convinced themselves that the children need both parents together, staying together, or it will be very destructive for them, that the kids will suffer because of it. And abuse survivors, victims, you know, fail to realize that divorce is not the only damaging thing to the kids. And being in a relationship together can have a long lasting harm to the children. And that's because the children are seeing how you are being treated, that it could be okay uh, within that context of the relationship. If you are someone who is fawning a lot, you know, they might start to become fawners themselves. They don't see someone who is standing up to what is going on. And then if you're fighting in front of the kids, that's also not a a great thing as well. So so that is another lie that someone might tell to themselves which is the kids will suffer if I leave. And the next one on our list is when abuse survivors say I can handle it. And this is a story many victims tell themselves to minimize the effects of being hurt by someone they love. So if they convince themselves that they can handle it, then they can stay in an abusive situation by making themselves believe that it is acceptable. But even if the abuse victim survivor can handle a situation, the question then is, should you? And that's a really big question. And being able to tolerate a difficult situation does not mean that you should tolerate a difficult situation. And the next one on our list is that the abuser cannot help themselves and believing that they can't help themselves. And this is a lie that victims tell themselves by completely excusing all of the terrible behavior from their partner, everything that they demonstrate in the relationship. And they've convinced themselves to believe that the abusive person might not be responsible for their behavior. We hear a lot on our Survivor Story episodes that people are, are dating someone who was abused themselves, so or they have a drinking problem, and that's where where it came from. That they're not really like that. They're you know that they couldn't help themselves because of what was going on in the past, and none of these reasons that I've just mentioned are reasons for abuse. But you know, abuse survivors. Victims of abuse choose to believe them because because they sound like very good reasons and you're an empathetic person and you're hearing what they have to say and, you know, you really give empathy for what they might have gone through or the stresses that they might have or mental health issues they might have, but it doesn't mean that they can still be abusive towards you, you know, saying that they can't help themselves as an excuse for their behavior. The answer is yes, they can. They just don't put in the work to do it. And the next one on our list is when an abuse victim survivor 
believes the lie that their partner can change. And if they go to therapy, they can change. You know, a lot of times uh, an abuser can go to therapy and they don't talk about anything that they're supposed to be talking about as far as change goes. The reality of narcissistic abuse, for the most part, for the most part, it's not going to 100%, but the reality is, and your thought process has to be that they will not change. And this is just who they are. This is who they want to be. They are experiencing a life of privilege when they have power and control over you. And if they have power and control over you, why would they want to change? They're getting everything that they want and they don't have to do anything. So when you think about this, this is a lie that you're telling yourself. And you know the person that wants change is you. The person who really doesn't want change is the abuser because why would they want change, you know? So that is, you know, a big lie right there that the belief that they can change. And the next lie we have on our list is that you yourself, an abuse survivor or victim, think that you can change this. So victims either believe that they are the ones causing the abuse, as we mentioned before. So they might be able to figure out how to change themselves. And then if that happens, the abuser will change as a result. Or victims of abuse believe that the abuser is at fault, but if the victim can figure out a formula, then they can change the abuser. You know, and what what are these formulas that you might think of? You know, one formula that we hear a lot of on our survivor story episodes is all I need to do is love them better. You know, this concept, you know, really keeps you convinced that they just need to that an abuse survivor victim needs to hang in to hang in there until they get it right. You know, one problem when you have this type of thinking, all of a sudden there are no negative consequences in this relationship, in this abusive relationship, which really further, you know, emboldens an abuser with a, a sense of entitlement and that they can do whatever they want. So all of a sudden, if you think that you're the one that just needs to love them better and that you can, you're the one that needs to fix it, there's no deterrent for the other person to stop doing what they're doing, for the abuser to stop doing what they're doing, that there are no consequences for their abusive and and poor behavior. And the next one on our list, the lie that abuse victims, survivors like to tell themselves is that the sacrifice is worth it. And many victims of abuse sacrifice their own self-worth for the sake of the abuser in the relationship. And in the end, the victim of abuse is, is no better off, but instead they've really lost themselves in this process. A lot of self-abandonment has happened, which can bring a lot of shame, you know, a lot of shame and it's just a loss of yourself. You don't know who you are. You don't know, you know, who you are, reality, ups and downs, left and rights. You have no footing, the reality is that you're believing here that living with abuse is worth it. And it's a, that's a big thing to try and wrap your head around when you think about what you've gone through, but you've been convinced in a lot of ways, you know, to believe these lies and start telling these lies to yourself. So that's a a really big one on the list. So those are the top eight lies a victim survivor convinces themselves of into staying in a relationship 
And I hope that you enjoyed this episode and found it informative and helped you a little bit uh, as well as to recognize what's going on, you know, a little bit about how the abuser is viewing things and then, you know, lies that have been kind of instilled in you and how you might be seeing things. And there's no shame in any of this. It happens to everyone. So, you know, I hope this was helpful for you. And if you want to be a guest on our Survivor Story episodes, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page. There, you can read all of our instructions and either send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our Guest Form and press the Submit button. And please do set it in the format that we ask for. And if you are someone that needs support, we have a support group, everyone, at Narcissist at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Support Group. When you click on that button, it takes you to our very own safe social network. And inside, you'll see that we have Zoom meetings every Wednesday night, Thursday afternoons, and Saturday nights. We have forum boards for you to post on to get the validation that you need. And you can just make a lot of good friends on there as well. So if you need support, join our support group today. And that is it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you have a good night.